Hello everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hey podcast and today I am joined by singer and songmaker Kirsty Law. Hello Kirsty. Hello. Um, so there's so much to talk to you about but let's uh, start with your latest venture which is Helm Arts. Could you talk a little bit about Helm? Yes, so as uh, as you've introduced me there, I am a singer and a songmaker, performer. However, I also have uh, a bunch of other kind of skills uh, in my bag, and that's uh, that's what I've kind of all brought together um, to bring into this new sort of art to support and production company, Helm Arts. So Helm Arts um, is there to provide one to one support for artists of all different kinds, uh, primarily in Scotland, um, in a, on a sort of temporary basis where they don't need to be tied to a manager or an agent or, or some kind of promoter. Um, there's various different kinds of help um, that I can offer. And I basically came up with the idea because I was doing bits and pieces of that work myself anyway and seeing it really just as a kind of side hustle but I really started to notice how much I enjoy facilitating other people's great project ideas I love helping people out with their projects and, and sort of being able to bang on about how brilliant someone is that isn't um, trying to promote my own work <laughs> um, so that really um, was the beginning of the germ of that idea so there's three strands to helm there's artist support project production and arts curation which is a bit more of a sort of a creative um ter uh influence in some of the projects before we go into the different strands do you find it easier kind of talking and promoting other people's work than your own oh of course yes so much easier you don't have the uh and i think that's almost like what part of getting somebody like me to help an artist with their work it's not because that artist doesn't have the vast amount of skills um that they could possibly use to promote their work, to do all of this. But oftentimes the capability to have that, uh, the kind of capacity that is needed for all of the different skills that you need to try and embody at once to say, put a project out into the world, whether it's an album or an exhibition mm -hmm. or um, a theater performance, whatever. Um, trying to embody all of those skills at once is really hard and also the emotional background that you have with your creative work um, makes you vulnerable. So having another person on your side who um, can add extra skills and extra knowledge to the table is great, but also just to be another pair of hands, another set of ears, eyes, um, and to be on your side uh, is kind of, yeah, is invaluable. And it's something that I, kind of have felt the need for right. um, before. So um, it's something that I thought maybe other people might feel the need for as well. And it's something I knew I'd enjoy doing. Because I presume these are things which you have found over your career, um, you've either uh, missed out on or could have helped. Um, what have been the most challenging aspects through your career in terms of being supported or of needing support? So a lot of it, comes with the fact that people talk about kind of 
like the industry standard or trying to uh, fit into to the, 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 the particular industry that you're in. But um, it's quite tricky that because the whole point of being creative and making new work mm -hmm. is that you're responding sort of in this immediate way to the times that you're in and uh, every single project and artist is different. And so trying to find your way, you create this work, which is totally individual to you and um, trying to find your way through a scene. If your work ha isn't going on the path that somebody else has already trodden can be tricky. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, if, you know, essentially you're first and foremost, the artist. So trying to then become a promoter and uh, and all of that stuff as well, a sort of publicist or, a, um, or some kind of agent is not necessarily, you know, that's not your first instrument. That's not your first, you know, that's not your uh, main skill set. And um, trying to get yourself then into that headspace, um, that's what I found tricky in the past personally. Um, uh, and over the years, I've got a lot better at it. Mm -hmm. And then I did notice as well, there was things about um, the promotional side of things or the uh, or the sort of making tours happen, putting things on that, especially when I was working with collaborators um, and I could feel like I was making it happen for everyone, that started to feel a bit more exciting. And I started to notice there was elements of this that I did enjoy and that maybe I could help other people with who I knew hated it. Because I do have a lot of friends who have struggled with those elements more than I have. Yeah. It's one of these things that seems to almost pull in different directions with the arts, because as you say, sometimes you have to fit in where actually a lot of art is about people who don't fit in or find, you know, things that aren't conformist. And yeah, also exactly. applying for funding and you have to try and fit into the criteria of funding. It's something, again, seems to pull against an artistic creation. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I, th I think, I think you've, yeah, I think you've got it bang on there. And I think that um, another part of it is, if you imagine, like when you're, one of the most kind of tricky points and a lot of the, uh, points that uh, I've sort of helped people with and it's not necessarily always in a specific role um, it's kind of tends to be more of a general all-around role but the uh, is that moment where you've made your work and then you're trying to put it out into the world and you're trying to plan how you might do that and figure out where it's going to go and if you think about that moment that you're trying to release that work it's the moment at which you're almost most vulnerable, you've mm -hmm. got this thing which is essentially your art artistic baby and you're trying to push it out into the world and go, here it is. And that, that feels very vulnerable. And at the same time, you're having to put this shiny face on and go, here I am, everyone, come and get it. And, and put on this kind of performance face of like telling everyone that you're brilliant and that they should want to listen to, see, hear your work. It's... Uh, you have to be incredibly sort of galvanized at, yeah. whilst also feeling very vulnerable. And it's, it's uh, that really messes with a lot of people's heads and quite understandably. No, absolutely. I mean, nobody wants to hear anything bad said about their baby, understandably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, to continue the metaphor. Yes, exactly. Um, so you mentioned there about collaboration and a lot of what you've done, at least the stuff that I know you for best, has been through collaboration. 
you've maybe touched yes. on it a bit already, but what is it about working with other musicians, other artists? I mean, you've done kind of multi-artistic um, presentations. Mm. What is it about that which really kind of fires your enthusiasm? So I've been working collaboratively since I was about 18 or 19 um, with artists from different disciplines, crucially. Um, that's always been something uh, that no matter what I've been doing, I've been, I've, I've enjoyed working with artists of different disciplines. Um, so whether that's like painters or dancers or authors, storytellers, um, and as well, obviously, as other musicians. And um, uh, I've done that in a lot of sort of different capacities, whether I've been the kind of the musical one in an art exhibition or putting a show together kind of equally with an author and another musician. And um, it, I find it really um, enriching to what I do, it provides you with so many different kind of perspectives on um, on your creative work, but also it kind of allows you to realise that all of these all of these mediums they're still they're all just forms of expression trying to do the same thing in different in different ways, and when you can find a connectedness between different. Uh, mediums you can allow each medium to say the things that they're best at saying and have that all kind of in one place that's really exciting um and and yeah I guess uh I really come when I started doing this kind of work it was quite a natural thing for me to do because um it's something that my mother has always done she's a visual artist and she one of the main things in her practice has been working with artists of different mediums so I mean I really grew up kind of learning that as an almost creative language and I'm so thankful for that and um uh so yeah growing up kind of with um my mother, Pat Law, as a visual artist and helping her install exhibitions and um, seeing her work with musicians and storytellers and things, that really was uh, inspiring but also informative um, in that it didn't really occur to me that it might be a slightly um, kind of unusual thing to do. Um, mm. And uh, it's, it always seemed like a perfectly natural thing to do so yeah that really kind of got me on the road for that and it's something I've never stopped doing since uh, right up to um, Young Night Thought which is the project that of course yeah, you've seen me perform and um, that I did at the Fringe last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting what you're saying that I wonder if because you were almost brought up with that idea that um, mm everything's accessible in that way. Perhaps other musicians or other artists, you know, go, well, I don't know anything about film, so I'm not going to go in and you know, be involved there or I'm not going to be involved with um, writers because I don't really, you know, I'm not really interested in that. Well, actually, you didn't have those barriers. It just seemed like a natural thing to kind of ask anyone to, do you have something you can... Yeah, so I had, I had that... Uh... Yeah, the idea that it was all just different types of expression and that all of these things could be linked was certainly introduced. But also, um, you know, I had the privilege to grow up around a lot of creative people and to be encouraged in uh, my creative endeavours. Um, 
Um, and I was always a very visual person anyway. So um, also just like I, I had a certain familiarity with lots of different art forms and that familiarity that has then built up through working with people from different disciplines I think is something that has made sense when it's come to forming Helm now is that um, I can work in this cross-discipline way yeah um, and one of the first kind of uh, proper projects I'm working on with Helm is a multi-discipline arts project that I'm helping to uh, kind of promote and find venues for. So um, a project called Exposure uh, by Giles Perring and Andy Metcalf to um, artists and, well, uh, multidisciplinary artists. Uh, but um, yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Because it did seem to me when I was reading uh, about Helm, that this almost seems the natural extension of the collaboration you've done previously. It's like, the things you've learned in your, uh, working on things like your night team and piano drum and, and uh, reclaiming sounds and they, that you've got the experience there now and it's almost like well now I can perhaps pass this on to other people who maybe don't have the um, not enthusiasm is the wrong word but uh, the knowledge in those fields that, they, that you can kind of spread your introducing perhaps as well yeah. that aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, so for instance, with this new uh, project, Exposure, it's, an, um, it's a, a visual art installation exhibition, um, which involves sound and can potentially have a performance element. Um, it's a really beautiful project that looks at the kind of brutality of landscape and vulnerability of human nature and, um, and the relationship between that and sound artist and photographer Giles Perring and painter filmmaker Andy Metcalf uh, have kind of come together on this and made it uh, on principally on the Isle of Judah right. and, um, and are looking to take this kind of installation which involves lots of different elements to different venues and it's been really interesting for me to um, look at just the, the broad spectrum of different types of venues that this this uh, installation could inhabit because it's got lots of different facets to it and Young Night Thought was very like that. Young Night Thought was like Exposure, it was modular, um, different facets to it, it had performance to it but it was also visual. Um, so with Young Night Thought once we took it to Alchemy Film Festival which is an amazing film festival in um, the borders in Hoik um, and it gets filmmakers from all over the world to show their kind of art films there in Hoik um, which is fantastic it was started by Richard Ashbrown and um, uh, so I was invited there to show mainly the film of Young Night Thought that was made by Daniel Warren and then uh uh, Esther Swift, the harpist that I play with, um, myself and her did a kind of a shorter duo set that went with that. So it kind of, there was lots of different formations that Young Knight thought could take on. And that's something that this project, Exposure, can also do. Um, it can go to different places in, in different ways. And so um, I was able to kind of have that knowledge of the kind of the spectrum of different venues and f festivals and things. So we're uh, currently uh, looking to put that exhibition kind of, I suppose, out 
out for out for grabs um, from spring uh, 2021 and and a lot so much of what I've learned in these previous collaborative uh, projects is uh, has allowed me to have the connections and the um, and the the knowledge of what is here in Scotland uh, for amazing venues grassroots to more established ones to do that because I guess you know someone um, might be starting out and has an idea of, um, oh, I'd really like to have something with some visuals or some dance, as you say, something like that, but has no idea where to to begin to make those connections. Yeah, I mean, I don't make, um, I don't make any, I'm quite conscious that uh, my role is not to make creative decisions for yes. anybody because that's part of respecting their sort of artistic oh. practice. So, um, uh, but if, for instance, you know, and uh, a musician has included visual elements in their project, but they're not used to promoting to places that are for visual work. And that is, they are now spaces that are actually open to them. That's something that I could help them with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I guess for, for me, it's, uh, it's about joining the dots. That's a phrase that I think of quite a lot. It's about joining the dots for people, just like mm-hmm. connecting people up to other folk. Um, it's about... Uh, doing kind of working with people one-to-one in a way that is sympathetic to their work their practice their whatever the project is which is um something that you know creative scotland they uh, they are they're brilliant and they really do their best but they, they only the, the, what they can offer sometimes in the way of support has to be slightly standardized yeah. um because they're they're representing for the whole country, um, and that so that's absolutely fair enough. And I think the way that they adapt uh, has been really good. But um, um, I think sometimes it's nice to be able to get some like if you need a little bit of help, it's nice to be able to get something that is just looking at your project sure. and uh, isn't trying to cater to lots of different people. Well, talking about the projects that you have worked on previously, it seems to me that often there's a sense of permanence or, or maybe even legacy involved in them, that it's not just for one night only and then you move on to something else. There's a kind of um, a, often an educational feel to them or yeah, something that has more than beyond a single performance. Is that That's how I feel about it. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that they have some kind of legacy because uh, that, that is the general idea of when I, whenever I've been working on anything, um, it's because I want to be part of a cultural conversation. It's because yeah. I want to um, be like part of the cultural dialogue of what's going on, particularly in Scotland, but kind of in whatever picture it's re- you know it's relevant to around me and. Um, that uh, is very important to me. And so often the themes of my work will come from that, but also the way in which the work makes its way out into the world. Um, uh, So uh, with Young Night Thought, there was um, kind of mutually beneficial workshops that happened with kids. Um, uh, So Young Night Thought, played around with the concept of the inner child through a lens of Scottish folklore, song, uh, film and uh, artwork. And so um, 
using all of these different disciplines to look at different facets of that. And uh, as part of our kind of exploration, we ran some workshops for kids, um, allowing them to play around with sounds and their own recordings and um, uh, got them to share with us uh, the songs that they liked to sing, the things that they liked, um, if they from everything from like clapping games in the playground um, to any poems that they'd felt like they that they'd learned off by heart or um, uh, and it was really it was really great to to do that and it really was kind of mutually beneficial um, it was definitely something that informed the project and wasn't just something we were kind of offering um, the community uh, solely I mean it really kind of paid back into what we did as well, which was a really nice kind of exchange, I think. And it seemed like a project which was almost always changing because of that yeah. uh, conversation between um, the people on stage or the people involved and the people uh, that you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And and Young Night Thought got the opportunity to really just keep evolving, which was brilliant, and uh, get... Um, getting uh, the opportunity to be part of the Made in Scotland programme at the Fringe Festival last year really gave us the chance to do that because we could bring on board Emma Snellgrove, who's an incredible dancer. And um, she was she just created these dances that were so sympathetic to the project. And um, uh, she created three dances to three of the songs um, and where we performed them in the piano room. And um, to be able to take a project that got its original funding to just happen at all in mm-hmm. at the end of 2016 to then be, still be evolving it and performing it in 2019 was just brilliant. Um, and yeah, uh, I still, you know, perform those songs in my repertoire when we're allowed to gig. <laughs> Of course. course. You mentioned Piano Drone there, and uh, I believe you're Mm. involved in that as well. For anyone who doesn't know, it's because it's an amazing thing. Oh, it's brilliant. So the Piano Drone, I've not, so I've been kind of lightly involved in the Piano Drone in a couple of ways. Uh, I did a residency when they were like uh, trying to raise the funds to make it. The part of what they did there was they had different residencies um, and I did one of them in Inverleith House and uh, and then after that, I started talking to them a lot about kind of what they were what they were doing. Did they need a hand kind of doing some social media things? And so I started helping with a bit of their kind of social media um, side and their marketing, uh, which I really enjoy because it's really enjoyable when it's a project you believe in. And so the Pianodrome is a 100-seat amphitheatre made entirely out of unwanted pianos, pianos that would have gone on the skip, pianos that would have been burned, um, and right down to the screws that they use to put the thing together. It's all recycled out of, or upcycled, certainly, out of these old pianos. And it's this beautiful amphitheatre um, made by Tim Vincent Smith and Matthew Wright. And um, it's an incredible place to play. It's an incredible place to go and see live music or performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has it has five inbuilt pianos to the, to the actual amphitheatre that are in working order and get used in the performances. Um, that also makes it just a sort of living installation. So when the performance stops, the audience kind of come down the stairs and then people start to play around on the pianos that are built into the seating that they've just been sitting on. It has an amazing way of working with um, 
the with uh, its own audience and um, it feels like really build a sense of community. They're currently trying to find um, uh, and raise funds for uh, a permanent home for the piano drum. Um, and I'm not sure where their kind of fundraising is uh, that they were doing a Kickstarter at one point, but it might be over, but if people do keep an eye out for that, um, uh, it's certainly uh, a completely invaluable um, uh, venue to have around. It's so. the closest I've ever been to almost like being in a living, breathing space. Like you could feel yeah. that there's, there's sounds and there's, you know, feel of it. And you think, was this, this could shift a little bit at any time, just the way it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. a, magi it's a magical place, definitely. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your um, own career, right from your kind of early interest? Yeah. In <laughs> sure thing. Um, so I, um, um, I'm a folk singer. That's essentially it. I'm, a, yeah. I'm like a folk, folk singer plus other stuff when yeah. I fancy it. <laughs> um, but essentially, I'm a folk singer and I'm a, a total geek when it comes to traditional ballads, unaccompanied singing, Scots songs. Um, and that is actually... Uh, so I kind of had this background being brought up by uh, a contemporary visual artist, mm -hmm. um, but parents that also really liked listening to folk music. And so I started to hear it and I really started... Uh, like in the stories that I was hearing in those songs. My sister's actually, she's become a, a photographer as well. So all quite kind of creative. She has a, an amazing um, little business up on the Isle of Lewis called Island Darkroom, um, right. where she does analog photography. So I, that was kind of our creative background. And then, I, but I really latched on to the folk singing. Um, people like Kareem Polwart have been a huge influence on me and so I, I would listen to her cds and things when i was growing up so it was a real treat in young night thought um she's now a good friend and uh we wrote a song together for that album um called underneath the sycamore so to be able to collaborate with her in her songwriting was such an amazing treat um uh, and i went uh, so she was kind of almost like a an early mentor when I was uh, a teenager um, and then I went to university and I studied folk and traditional music at Newcastle University right. for four years that was uh, that was 10 tons of fun that was great <laughs> um, yeah just just wall to wall tunes and songs tunes and songs tunes and songs um, for four years uh, the people that you lived with played tunes sang songs and then you went out at night and you played tunes and you sang songs and then you got up in the morning and you went to university and you played tunes and you sang songs and um, so that was an immersion in uh, folk and traditional music and it was really brilliant um, made a lot of uh, lifelong friends from that and many other musicians on the folk scene have come out of that course right um uh, but um, much as I loved living in Newcastle, uh, I particularly was still uh, singing in Scots, was drawn to the Scots traditions, um, and I wanted to come back up to Scotland. And so I live in Edinburgh now. And I also, even at university, was still kind of in my free time doing things with other artists of different disciplines. Um, uh, one uh, project that I did whilst I was at university was when I was 19, I started doing a project called um, Ars Navigare, which is a, um, a Latin for 
art and the um, art and the sea or na uh, art navigation and um a and that was a that was a sort of I don't know if it was so much collaborative but it was a shared experience right. um uh, on a Finnish tall ship sailing from Cherbourg to Kiel through the North Sea, uh, many Finnish artists and Scottish artists. And then later we had an, uh, mainly a visual art exhibition in Turku in Finland, uh, where I did actually produce a little kind of uh, piece of, of visual art, but the main part of it was a, a sound, um, uh, a song, a kind of soundscape made up of a Robert Louis Stevenson poem because wow. Uh, I'm a bit of a broken record when it comes to him and uh, and uh, a Finnish song that one of the women had sung to me on the boat and I'd recorded her singing it um, so I sort of weaved those two things together um, so that was kind of the beginning of that and I really just kind of went from there and as soon as I'd finished university uh, I just kept uh plugging away at the music, doing, um, uh, working odd jobs to try and uh, support myself working. I worked in uh, the amazing Coda Music record shop that was on the mound in Edinburgh and oh, shut yeah, yeah. Um, almost two years ago. So I worked there on and off for almost seven years, um, which is incredible to think. And, uh, and so gained like so much knowledge of just like what was coming out constantly I heard every single album that was coming out that came through the doors it was brilliant and um so just in terms of getting a like a, a feel for the scene yeah and um and yeah I've just been doing kind of projects with with artists writers storytellers um visual artists and things ever since um as well as just kind of writing my own stuff and uh writing a lot of stuff in Scots <coughs> excuse me that's always been really important to me and writing a lot of new and now I, I write a lot of kind of new songs in Scots right. um from perspectives that I feel I can't find in the tradition right. so for instance from uh kind of empowered women particularly sexually empowered women uh queer uh, queer standpoints they're all things that I personally can't find in the tradition because they're things that you couldn't be explicit about in the old days and um, so uh, I think it's really important to keep writing um, these kinds of songs they don't always come out sounding like traditional songs but that's okay mm -hmm. um, uh, and it's important to me that that language is not only restricted to old narratives because sure. it's a living breathing language that we all speak in sure. and um uh, but when it comes to songs and poems and things not less so poems actually now in Scotland there's some brilliant contemporary Scots poetry um but when it comes to the aesthetic of singing in Scots it's so often related to traditional narratives yeah. pastoral narratives um I and yeah lots of things that don't always um, encapsulate the experience of a contemporary life. Um, so uh, I try to fill in some of the gaps for myself, really, um, that uh, of my own experience that I wasn't getting from from traditional songs. Um, it sounds like particularly the early part was like a living musical you were in. I'm just going <laughs> to at university and everyone's... <laughs> Singing songs, and then on a tall ship, where other people are singing songs. Yeah. 
Well, I try to keep it interesting, Ali. I try to keep it interesting. Brilliant. Um, But what you're saying about traditional music is fascinating, I think, because it seems to me that Scottish, and I'm I'm using inverted commas here, traditional music is in a healthy place at the moment and developing in new ways. Is that something you disagree with? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, uh, and, you know, you've got so many young people... um, doing interesting things with traditional music I think it's always really important that it's nurtured uh, in the right way and that those um and that the really interesting types of musicians who are who are trying to sort of push the narrative a little bit introduce uh unusual or not quite heard before um uh types of music that you know it's really important that that's nurtured and I think that that's something that that you do with your radio show and your podcast and I really have enjoyed listening to your radio show and your podcast before I think and um, I think it's there's always a danger I think Mm -hmm. that um, uh, with in some ways in as Scotland as a whole um, we uh, have for instance a huge tourist industry which Mm -hmm. we of course on the one hand have to be very thankful for um as a folk scene we um can be very um i suppose sort of in in danger of uh playing into the tourist industry before Mm -hmm. um we remember kind of just like catering to our audiences that live here, um, the music that's being brought out, which might not uh, immediately be um, the most obvious choices for um, for festivals and things like that who are mainly catering to tourists. So um, these, fe- these festivals and things, absolutely, they showcase great music. Don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, slicing any of the music that gets shown there. Um, But because the the tourist industry in Scotland is so big, uh, there's a balancing act that I think does need to be just kept kept an eye on. Um, There's uh, otherwise we might be in danger of kind of uh, losing out on some of the really great musicians who, um, who I think can be given platforms. It's interesting because when I was um, younger, I didn't, I mean, there wasn't a lot of folk music in general. You maybe had it at home and stuff like that, but I think you had to go and seek it out. And in terms of like the ballad tradition, I didn't really know about that till I was at university and I learned that through literature more than than music. Mm. But it does seem that it's now being, um, reclaims the wrong word, but at least... Um, it's more available to people who maybe want to go and discover it for themselves. And almost that leads you to a more modern look at the traditional. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, um, so there is no doubt about it. The courses offered in Glasgow, the university courses uh, in, so in in Glasgow, there's Scottish music at the Conservatoire, um, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, um, or the RSMD as it was called, Mm -hmm. um, uh, when that course started up. Um, And the course that I went on in Newcastle, um, that uh, these courses have absolutely um, 
created this this whole generation of um, of people who are now in informed about these um about these old song texts uh collections of tunes not to say that 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 there weren't people at all that weren't uh relating to all of this old material and um and doing great things with it but what these courses have allowed to happen is that they've created well they've created jobs for um uh, the people who have this incredible uh information to pass on but they also like create a volume of people to uh, in a certain in a in a younger generation to start really kind of taking um, this music and taking it to exciting places and and just to keep it in the tradition in the exciting way that it always was, um, and uh, so. Yeah, I think that they have really positively fed this kind of stream of uh, of of people that that would have been interested in that um, in that kind of music. Uh, were they exposed to it? So it's it's allowed them to be exposed to that uh, even more. It's a real um, example of how arts and education is absolutely vital for all sorts of reasons. But absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know our, our heritage and our culture. You know, it's uh, and it's it create, makes it so strong. Absolutely, Kirsty, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. I could chat for the whole of the evening, but it really has. <laughs> so, Likewise, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, it's been a total, a total delight. Um, and yeah, really nice to talk about kind of my new project, my new venture and, uh, and let people know about that. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to, if anyone wants to look up um, any more about it, uh, I've got a website, which is www.hellmarts.scot. And we will put all the necessary links as well for people who are interested Thank you. on the website. And we will be back very soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.